0: This Quarcast podcast is brought to you by the new book, Sola Deus, by Keith Giles. What if God is all of us? If God is the one in whom we all live and move and have our being, then perhaps we are the ones in whom God lives and moves and has being. If so, where does God end and where do we begin? In this new book, author Keith Giles asks us to reconsider our common assumptions about God and ourselves in ways we've never imagined before. Sola Deus, available on Amazon, from Choir Publishing.
1: Get yours today. The mind that was in Jesus, that mind is in me. Without me. Life has no meaning. Why would God tell you what I'm thinking and tell you what I've said to my wife or my husband when you're not around? It's because I'm the pastor of the church and I need to know. This is the only place where you can see truth.
0: Hey heathens, welcome to the Deadly Faith Podcast, where religion and crime collide. I'm Lacey. And I'm Lola. And this shit is wild. I wanna know. Hey, okay. So this is episode one of the actual Deadly Faith Podcast. So we're gonna get into today's Episode in today's case it's a wild one. It is going to have you. Is it
1: scary? Am I going to cry? No, no, you're not going to cry.
0: You're going okay. You're going to laugh a little bit. Okay, you're gonna be like what the fuck, and you're going to be confused on what to feel. And I'm actually excited to kind of like, I hate that I say that. I'm excited to talk about <laughs> murder with you guys, but you know, but I'm excited to kind of delve into like your opinion on this because a lot of people feel. Different, and there's like two different sides, and you might like hear the case and start feeling one way and then change by the end. Oh, I hate those. (laughs) Yeah, this is a weird
1: one. This is really, really a weird one. Two truths at once, kind of thing. Definitely.
0: There's two truths at once when it comes to this episode. So, to
1: preface, I don't know anything about this. I have not looked it up. I literally asked you today. What, who is it again? What are you doing again? <laughs> Bernie Tita is the case for today. And when I told
0: her this is the one I was doing, I told her I wanted to do this one because it's kind of a it's, a... it's a palate cleanser, basically, for for the first episode. And she was like, I have no idea what this episode is. I was like, great. Then not look it up because I want to hear your real life reaction to this case. So let's get into it. We are going to be hearing the case of Bernie Tita and the death of Marjorie Nugent. Okay. So Bernie Tita was born August 2nd in 1958. His father was an immigrant from Ukraine, and he was a music professor and choir director at multiple colleges throughout Texas. He also served as church music director. He was what we would call a vocal performer, what we call today like a worship leader. And and this is all (laughs) Bernie's father. I know, like, because it was like back in the like 60s.
1: Wait, this isn't Bernie Bernie. This is Bernie's father. This isn't Bernie.
0: No. This is Bernie's father. This is Bernie's daddy.
1: Oh, Bernie daddy. Sorry. <laughs> Bernie daddy.
0: <laughs> so, Mr. Tita, he married a woman named Layla Mae Jester in 1957, just one year prior to Bernie's birth. But unfortunately, Bernie was only three years old when Layla May actually died in a horrible car accident. Hmm. The father was actually driving and they got into the accident and it killed her. Mr. Tita struggled with the passing of his wife since he was the one driving the car. uh, He really struggled and blamed himself for it. And so he actually ended up turning to alcohol to kind of cope with that, which was not good. But he did end up remarrying another woman. Um, But when Bernie was only 15 years old, his dad passed away. I couldn't find out from what. And I don't feel like he was all that old to be dying when your kid's only 15 years old, but he did. So mom and dad are gone. Mom and dad are gone. And he's only 15 years old. So Mm -hmm. like, I can't imagine losing both parents at 15.
1: That's a crucial age. That's when you decide what music you like for life. Yeah. Also. Right? You're going... 15 is like the worst stage. Like... No, that's 14. 14 was the worst for me.
0: Yeah. 15 got better. But it's a crucial stage in life. And you haven't had your mom since you were two or three. Mm. And now you don't have your dad. So like, yeah, it's a lot to fucking cope with. Yeah. Well, Bernie still did good. He graduated from Cooper High School in Abilene, Texas in 1976. And he started working at a funeral home, actually. And he had a very good knack for doing the hair and makeup on the deceased Stop. for some reason. yeah, a man after I'm my own not. heart. <laughs> he was so good at doing the makeup, so good at doing the hair. And he actually enjoyed it. He started to like, develop a passion for the funeral business. And so in 1985, he decided to move to Carthage in East Texas. It is a very small town. They've got like less than like we're right over 6,000 people. So it's a small town, Texas. And I grew up in small town, Texas. So, so I, can, would know. I can only imagine. Yeah, I can vouch mm-hmm. for small town, Texas. It's one of those like, everybody knows everybody's business. <laughs> mm. And Bernie moves into that town and he starts working as an assistant funeral director at Hawthorne Funeral Home. Now, Bernie was phenomenal at his job. Not only did he have a knack for doing like hair and makeup, but he also did everything else that comes along with the funeral shenanigans. He'd do the greetings, the singing, the preaching, the reading of the scripture, the organizing, the arrangements. He would help people write eulogies, he was literally like—he was the death guy. Yeah, he was like the one man band when it came to him. dead, dying, and
1: deceased. He could open a place and just yeah, take yeah. care of it all.
0: And and honestly, Bernie, he he should have. He should have <laughs> should have just stuck with death in that that realm. Okay, <laughs> but he didn't. Oh, I'm poor, nervous. poor Bernie. He he did not. Okay, but Bernie was a very lovable guy. Okay, he was the type of person that loved being involved in the community and like all the community had to offer. He was a lay preacher. He was a featured soloist in the choir at the First United Methodist Church. Uh, he sponsored little league teams and he even volunteered at local community colleges with their like music and theater department. And he was even on the Chamber of Commerce Christmas Decorating Committee. <laughs> this this so, is a jack of all trades. Yeah, he was Very involved in his community. And since he was very involved in the community, it meant that everybody everybody knew knew Bernie. Yeah, everybody knew (laughs) Bernie. And not only that, everybody loved Bernie. He was very charismatic. He was kind. He was lovable. People said that um, he had just like a magnetic personality. So it didn't take long for them to connect and like really enjoy Bernie as a person. They said that when he was driving through town in his little car, he would literally just be driving and smiling at That's everybody. so cute. Isn't
1: it? It's adorable. Oh my God. Like, like who is ever that happy with their life? I know.
0: I know. And he had, it's like one of those people that you would say, like they walked into the room and not they they lit up the room with their smile. It was like his happiness was contagious. Yeah, He was just a very uh. warm and loving spirit. To be around.
1: Sunshine in the flesh. Yeah. Sunshine at Rainbows was Bernie (laughs) Dita.
0: So he was also the type of guy that would always put others first and he would always think of others. But Bernie was not great with money. And because he always put people first when he would go shopping, he was what we would call a shopaholic. If he saw something he liked in the store, (laughs) it's so funny. He would buy every single one that the store had. (gasps) Like, let's say, yeah, I know. Why? (laughs) If there was like a tiny little clock and he was like, that's a cute clock. If the store had 50, he bought all 50. And then he would give them out as gifts to random people, not for birthdays or like special occasions. He'd be like, I was thinking of you. Here's the clock. Like he would do that all the time. Why do I love him right now? I know. But Bernie was only a funeral Whatever director, and so he was only making like twenty six thousand dollars a year. Uh, so mm. he was racking up some credit card debt. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the wisest when it came to his financial choices, but he was loved, and at least he had that. <laughs> okay. Not only was he just like super kind to everybody, but his kindness extended to even the little old ladies in Carthage, Texas, which (laughs) is a small town in Texas. So there was a lot of little old ladies. And little old ladies, a lot of them are widows because their husbands have died. And he knows whose husbands have died because he's the funeral director. So Bernie loved his little old ladies and he would go check on them. He'd bring them little gifts. After their husband died, he would take them out to lunch. He would help them run errands. He'd go pick up their medicine from the pharmacy. Whatever these little old ladies needed, he was there. And it was really just to like be a friend and and care for them. And so much so that there was one little woman named Gracie Duke. And she had complained to Bernie that she had some aches in her bones. And so Bernie took her all the way to Rock Springs, Arkansas, so that she could soak in the hot springs literally drove this little old lady all
1: the way to arkansas that's so sweet isn't it it's like oh my god bernie you were so nice i don't think this is a crime podcast anymore i think this is a, <laughs> a sweet old lady smiley dude podcast yeah that's okay we're getting there we're, oh god we're getting there. hold on hold i feel on, like it's gonna be on. so bad like it's so good it's about to get so bad kind of thing it's like extremes bad. It's, it's, it's going to get bad.
0: It's uh. not going to get so bad because my version of so bad is like torture and mayhem. And so like, it's going
1: to go bad. My it's version of so bad, bad? We're not doing anything with animals. I cannot. No,
0: no, I can't. I, I, and I don't know. And that's weird. It's like, I, I yeah, I have a hard time with that. But
1: I don't know. I just, I can't vibe with that. If, if anyone even thinks about my dog the wrong way, I'm like, come here. Let's curb stomp a bitch.
0: Seriously. Oh, okay. Well, we've learned about Bernie and how absolutely nice he was. He was a wonderful Smiley. human being. Okay. He was literally seen as the nicest man in town. Everybody loved him. Okay. But now we're going to learn about the other main, uh, the actual victim in this case. It is an old lady named Marjorie Nugent. Stop. Okay. She was, I know. Okay. She was born. Just just hold on to that. Hold on to that thought, though. Okay. okay. She, she's, like I told you, this is going to have you all over the place. Okay. Marjorie was born February 6th, 1916. She had two younger sisters, Sue and Meryl. Now, growing up, Marjorie's dad was very wealthy. He was a merchant. And so her whole life, she didn't go without. And she was surrounded by money. But at a young age, she let her financial status get to her. And many said that she thought very highly of herself and basically walked around with her nose in the air and her shit don't stink, basically. And she did this like from a young, young age. This was, this was her personality.
1: She was the first mean girl.
0: Yeah, yeah. And she was mean to everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. and we'll get into how mean and snooty Marjorie Nugent was. Her own sister, Meryl, talks about how she was scared of Marjorie All throughout their childhood. She would say that, quote, if you did something she didn't think was up to her standards, she'd tear it up and make you do it again. End quote.
1: That was in their childhood. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) This is this is their childhood. Like what eight eight eight-year-old, nine-year-old's like, no, not good enough. Who hurt her? I know. Is she okay? Who, Who raised you?
0: Oh, okay. Meryl even said that she believed her own mother. So Meryl and Marjorie's own mother was scared of Marjorie.
1: Oh, that's a problem.
0: Yeah. Meryl even said, quote, sometimes I think she was the devil on earth, end quote.
1: This Okay, this is how all horror films with children (laughs) begin. This is how. Right. Well, she never committed any
0: crimes that I know, but she was just a mean,
1: mean, mean, mean
0: person and it got worse with age. Just a mean girl. Later on in life, like way, way, way later, Meryl, the older sister, the younger sister and then um, Marjorie, they had a falling out over a disagreement of their father's will, like how it should be handled. And mm-hmm. so they had a big falling out and they stopped talking. When Marjorie went to college, she met a man named Rod Nugent, and in 1937, they got married. Now, Rod quickly uh, got a job with Magnolia Oil, which now, today, we know as Mobile. So he was way at the beginning of the oil boom in the 60s. He was an independent oil man, and during that time, oil men could make a shit ton of money, and he did. Throughout the 60s, they racked up No, 60s, 70s and on. They racked up money after money after money and became very, very wealthy. Much, much more wealthy than she had growing up. And they ended up having one son, which was Rod Jr., okay? Meryl's son. So Meryl was Marjorie Nugent's sister, okay? So she had a son, Joe, okay? Joe did not like his Aunt Marjorie. She was not nice to him, okay?
1: Okay. He said
0: Growing up, she threatened to put him in a mental institution because he wouldn't cut his hair.
1: You know what? (laughs) (laughs) That's an extreme. I have heard that before. Really? This is not the first time. As a hairstylist, I have heard of stories. Well, as a hairstylist, guys. Where, like, people were very, could be very extreme with the whole, like, you have to cut your hair kind of thing. I mean,
0: like, well and that generation like my grandma she hates beards and mustaches and everything really? and I've yeah and I've never seen my dad without a mustache and like I swear every time we'd be around her she's like what are you going to shave that thing off your face <laughs> and my dad never did. So I think it also like plays into like that uh g- generation.
1: Probably you too. Know? And yeah. I mean like there's something that's actually uh how do I describe it? It's like inherited understanding oh. of like mm-hmm the way that you wear your hair or the length of Mm. your hair determined status. Like Mm. um, like early Egyptian culture back in Renaissance days, Chinese, you know, culture. Okay, that makes sense. It was all very, like, the way that you wear your hair and the color of your hair could tell your status or your rank or your marital status kind of thing too and
0: what does purple mean cuz now i want to know what is my status short purple hair
1: they did not have a status for that <laughs> <laughs> i just know that blonde people were the poorest in in most cultures really yeah if you were poor was this i'm trying to think of culturally like or geographically where this was most prevalent But I don't really understand, uh, I I don't remember where exactly, but I I remember that black hair was the richest, Uh, red hair was like middle class, like red and brown was middle class, and then blonde was like the poorest of the poor. And if you tried to color your hair differently than like what your status was or what your rank was, you could be punished and jailed and like no way. stuff like that. It's okay, insane.
0: My, my ADHD hyperfixation tomorrow is going to be researching a uh, history of hair colors. It's in
1: my cosmetology book downstairs. I swear to God. Like, that's so cool. You're gonna have to send it to me.
0: Also, I know we're like getting on a major side note here, guys. But like hang with us. But we talked about the Morbid podcast. Well, again, shout out. I'm going to shout out that that podcast a lot because I just absolutely fucking love them. Morbid sponsor us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Which I just had this thought like that's hilarious because Ash is a hairstylist. And so then like you were talking about you're a hairstylist. I was like, oh my God, that's even funnier. Like stop. It
1: is like Morbid wannabes. Oh my God. Okay. I love them. Girl, are we like? Are we'll we the Walmart brand of <laughs> morbid? <laughs> are we the great value morbid? I I I will tote that. You know, I will I will claim that. I would wear that. I like probably. that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Back to our story. Back to the story. Where were we at? Okay. Oh, we're talking about how Joe, her nephew, mm-hmm. did not like Aunt Marge. Aunt, Aunt, Aunt Marjorie was who? she's a little mean. Okay, so she threatened to put him in the mental institution because he wouldn't cut his hair. Okay, she also chased him around the garden with garden shears because Joe refused to clean out a wasp nest with his bare hands. What? Yeah. Then, oh, just wait, just wait, it's not over. And then at 14, she locked him in her home, in a room, and wouldn't let him out or wouldn't let him call his mom for two days. She left to go to like the grocery store and the maid felt bad for him. So she unlocked the door so he could get to the phone. And he called his mom freaking out, like, come and save me. This bitch locked me in a room for two days. So his mom, Meryl, came over and rescued him from her house. And he said he never went back to her house after that.
1: My brow is so furrowed.
0: Oh, just wait. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to make Mar- it go higher. Are you ready for me to make it go higher? This woman.
1: I, Marjorie, I swear. what is happening? Okay. I, she, she, ooh,
0: okay. Marjorie loved shopping and she loved sewing. Okay. She loved all the like girly things. But like I said earlier, they only had one kid and it was a boy. They had Rod Jr. Okay. So she wanted a girl. So she developed a plan. This, this woman. She developed a plan and she tried to get her sister, Meryl, and her husband declared as unfit parents so that she could take custody of their daughter, Carrie. (gasps) Yeah. Yes. A thousand percent. She tried to do that. She tried to say that the husband was an alcoholic. And mind you, he like barely ever drank. And so that was a lie. But they had to get like lawyers and attorneys involved. And thankfully, Marjorie was not successful. But like, this bitch tried to steal her sister's kid. Like, the sorry. The the masses. What is happening? She's dead now, so I shouldn't call her a bitch. Um, I'm sorry. But, but okay, that was a bitch move. Like, you're trying to steal somebody's kid. And, and not just somebody's kid, like your own sister's kid.
1: Who the fuck does that? I'm trying to imagine if my aunt had ever tried to do something like that. You can't... This is weird. This is weird. Because sometimes aunts take on like this motherly, like like a second mother kind of thing. Yeah. So mm-hmm. where what broke in her mind? That's my question.
0: I think she was born with this like, I am better than everybody else. And especially growing up wealthy, she had that opinion of herself. So I think it just kind of bled over into every aspect. And so she tried to say that she would be able to provide a more stable home. For Carrie,
1: what did her home look like? Though was she locking her th- other things away know, right in the basement? You just locked a fourteen-year-old in the bedroom. Like what? Like this doesn't scream. I'm a stable caregiver. Wait, how old was the child that she was trying to get custody of?
0: I don't know because they don't go into major detail because it's Joe that shared that story. Um, He doesn't go into major detail on like how old Carrie was or when and what year this happened, but... Gotcha. Well... Okay, due to Rod Marjorie's uh husband, uh due to him traveling as an oil man, they kind of moved around a little bit after they got married and when she had Rod, but they ended up landing in Midland to raise Rod Jr. But after he was grown, they decided to move back to Carthage and they moved back to Carthage, a very very wealthy people. They were the wealthiest of the wealthiest in Carthage. And you have to remember, like during this time in Texas, it was definitely like oil money in this area of Texas. It's East Texas. And so there were other wealthy people in the town, but she was definitely the, or if not one of the uh, wealthiest people. And she let everybody know that her wealth was the wealthiest.
1: (laughs) Her wealth was the wealthiest. My money is all the monies. Yeah. Yeah. My money is the most monies. And when they
0: got to town, uh, her her husband, Rod, uh, ended up buying a majority stake in the local bank. And so now they've got oil money and they own the majority stake in this local bank. So they're making money off that too. So like their money's making money, making money. Okay. Well, as they settled into life in Carthage, uh, Marjorie quickly made a name for herself, and the local townspeople hated her.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, as the town bitch, <laughs> was that it? Basically,
0: everyone did not like Marjorie. Like I said, she lorded her money over people. Um, she felt like she was too good for the town. Like she grew up thinking she was better than everybody else. And she still had that same sense back in in those days. Uh, she was very snooty. And she was also very stingy, even though she was super wealthy. Apparently, a local vet was going to charge her $45 to see her animal and she was like, no, that is too expensive. And she got him to lower his rates and she still complained that it was too expensive even though she
1: took her dog there. That is a reasonable price. No. I know. (laughs) I mean, if you got that much money already and even for the times that was expensive, but...
0: Yeah, I I was gonna say like, that's not that expensive. Then I was like, okay, but this was back in the 90s. And it was like 1990, 1991. So I was like, $45, that's kind of a lot. Mm Because like, I just took my dog to get a wellness. And it was like 35 for an examination. So like, I agree that that was high. But also like, you're in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where... It's probably hard to come by a vet or at least a good vet. Yeah, and I'm sure he doesn't have a whole lot of clients. And so I'm sure he has to charge a little bit more.
1: Overcompensate, you know, just
0: to yeah. Pay for his bills, of course. I don't know. Yeah, but, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it was said that when she would go by the bank, her husband had a stake in. Uh, she would rarely talk to anyone. What? Why? Because <laughs> she's mean and she's like, I'm too good for you. I'm not gonna, I'm not
1: gonna talk. No, nope. she just sounds like a ray of sunshine out the ass. You
0: know? Yes. Uh huh. So there is a movie about this case, and I'll get into that movie in a little while. But Bernie, it's called Bernie. And (laughs) the woman who plays Marjorie in the movie is a woman uh, named Shirley MacLaine. probably know her. She's a (gasps) famous actress. Yeah. Shirley MacLaine plays Marjorie. Okay. Well, Marjorie's nephew, Joe, said that the face that she would make when she would go into character as Marjorie, she would purse her lips and get these like accusing eyes and he said it was exactly like his aunt Marjorie. I'm trying and to mimic it <laughs>
1: in real
0: life. <laughs> I just look constipated. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you an E for effort. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that this was exactly like his aunt Marge and what she would do in real life. And he said when she would make that face, it was a sign that she was about to tell you off for something she disapproved of. And quote. Why you weren't good enough, good, good enough, <laughs> or smart enough, or otherwise worthy of her time? She used it on sales clerks, on waiters, on farm hands, on housekeepers and cooks. She used it on my parents. She used it on me. End quote. So that, like, when you watch the movie, because I'm sure a lot of you will probably go watch the movie. Uh,
1: yeah, I was gonna gonna say I, I have to watch this now. Everyone needs to yeah. watch so we can know the face.
0: I think it's on YouTube, and I think it's on either like Peacock or Paramount Plus or something. Once again, we'll we'll link it in the show notes so you guys can go and watch it. But we'll talk about it more later on. But yeah, so you'll see that face. She would make that face. She's just a very judgmental person. She didn't have a lot of friends. The townspeople don't like her. Oh, really? She's got she's got a bad reputation going on, right? Well, they had moved back to Carthage in 1989, I think it was. Well, Rod, he actually died from like heart failure a year later in 1990. So it was very unexpected and it was very quick. Well, it's Carthage. It's only like 6,000-ish people. And so, of course, his funeral is done at Hawthorne Funeral Homes. And so this is where Bernie (gasps) and Marjorie cross paths. Stop. Yes. Yes. Now, Bernie took care of most of everything for Rod's funeral. He did the embalming. He helped pick out the coffin and the headstone. He arranged the flowers. He sang a hymn at the memorial service. He even escorted Marjorie to and from her husband's grave and at the cemetery. It was chilly, so Bernie offered her his coat, and she even wore his coat home (laughs) That does not
1: surprise me for some reason, right?
0: Right, like knowing Bernie, and like all that we've learned about Bernie, like yeah, okay, that's like Bernie's being Bernie. 100%. No, but
1: I, I just feel like w- with her wearing it home, so, I feel like she, I feel like she didn't even like offer, be like, thank you so much. Here's your coat back. I think it was just like I'm going home. I'm <laughs> She's wearing like, this goodbye.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like
1: not even a consideration for like this uh, is not my coat kind of thing. Oh my god, that's what seriously. I'm imagining, but.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Now, Bernie said that Marjorie uh, looked like she needed a friend and he knew of her reputation around town. And so he knew that she probably didn't have friends. And so he decided that he was going to befriend her. And so he did what he did with all the other widowed old ladies in town. And he started visiting Marjorie and checking on her. And that turned into them going to dinner and going out and doing errands together. And before long, they were basically inseparable. <gasps> they went... Are they falling only, in love? <laughs> did, <laughs> they didn't only go out to dinner, and they didn't only go out to outings. They would actually even go to Broadway sho- shoes. shoes, Broadway Same thing. Shoes, it's fine. Broadway, <laughs> Broadway shows. And they even traveled. And they were even seen holding hands when they were out together in public. Called now, it right in a small town in Carthage you know rumors are going to spread very very quickly especially when everybody knows everybody and especially everybody knows bernie bernie's bernie and everybody knows marjorie cuz she's mean so they're they're going to notice this right so rumors are starting to spread about the nature of their relationship and mr one of mr nugent's old business friends had testified in court that when he saw them interact in public it made him very uncomfortable and he said quote I would say that the greeting kiss and the goodbye kiss was not one you would give to your mother.
1: (laughs) Oh, my. Sexual. So
0: people around town were a little confused. Uh, Bernie was a great man. You know, everyone loved him. So like, why wasn't he dating? Why didn't he find somebody his own age? And they, of course, were like, is he doing this, you know, for Marjorie's money? Because all of this stuff that they were doing and going and traveling and all of this, it was paid for by Marjorie. Like this woman's estate and, and worth was like $10 million at it, this Oof. time in 1990. That's a, that's a lot of money. Like a lot I of money. I would take that money. in
1: today's money.
0: <laughs> right. What is that in today's money? You Google that while I keep going because I want to know what 10 million is in 1990, what that is in 2023. Okay. Well, everyone's confused. You know, they're like, why aren't you... Why aren't you dating? And of course, the first rumor that goes around when it comes to that is they thought that Bernie might be gay. Um, the funeral director even stated that many thought that Bernie was, quote, light in the loafers, end quote, which I had to do What is light in the loafers? Right? I didn't know what that meant. Is that That's gay? Is gay? Yeah, that's a derogatory way of calling somebody gay. It refers to how gay men walk, and they you know they you know society deems some gay men as walking more feminine instead of like
1: Mm. masculine, like clomping around, (laughs) clomping around like a clomping like a gorilla.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay, Do you want to know the yes, ten million dollars,
1: the inflation rate and everything? Okay, so (laughs) so oh god, I don't.
0: I don't want
1: to know. I do and I don't. I don't even. Is this 23? That's not 23 million. How many zeros are in million? I just forgot.
0: Six? No. S- 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 eight, nine.
1: Is it nine? Right? No. No, it's six, six. right? Six. six, six. Okay, then it's yeah. $23,210,635 approximately. Over doubled? Yeah, in 2023. Shut your
0: face. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well we're we're about to make this even crazier, okay? So oh, so okay, lighten the loafers, right? Derogatory way of saying somebody's gay. Many thought that he was gay, but they thought that he was being celibate because Bernie's religious. He was a preacher and, you know, he was in the choir. He's part of the Methodist church. So because of his religious beliefs, he couldn't act out on his sexuality. Now we do find out later in in this case that Bernie is gay. And he states that he knew about the rumors between, you know, of him and Marjorie, but that there was nothing ever sexual between him and Marjorie and that he actually saw her as a mother figure. So Mm. from what we know, there was never anything sexual between the two. Now, when I say that they took trips together, right? Like they're doing everything together. Now, these weren't just trips to like California. No, they went to Hong Kong. They went to Bangkok. They went to Russia. (laughs) And they even cruised the Nile River. And they didn't just travel to all these places. They went first class. Like they were getting... Like all of the all and going to the big Broadway shows. And you know, this was making Marjorie actually really happy. Bernie said that he felt like Marjorie was actually the happiest that she'd ever been in her whole life and that she was actually getting to do things that she wasn't even able to do in her do in her marriage. These aren't things that some oil man from Texas is gonna want to go and do for the most part. Like, yeah, Yeah. maybe travel to some of these places, but he's not gonna want to go to Broadway shows. Like most gay men, not all, but most gay men, that's something that they're like, oh, yeah, I want to do that, you know? At least they wouldn't immediately oppose it most of the time. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. No? What? Yeah. Because more gay men are, you know, firm cultured. in their... their a <laughs> Cultured, yes. Cultured. And, and they're more firm in who they are. They're not this like toxic masculinity. And when they hear stuff like that, they're like, I can't do that. That's feminine, you know?
1: They can chop a tree. They can paint their nails, you know? Yes. If you're, if you're secure, it doesn't rounded. matter which way you swing. We, we love us some gay
0: men. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. We do, we do. Shout out to my brother. Woo <laughs> We love your brother. I don't know his name. It's fine. Um, I was so about to say
0: Bubba, but his name's Glenn. Um, Bubba is what we called him growing up. Bubba, that's so good. I know. He hasn't been called that in years, but Glenn. Glenn is his name. He is a big, big proponent of this uh, podcast. He's so excited for us, but... Love you, Glenn. Anyway, so yes, we do do love our gay men. Okay. So uh, Bernie was loving all of this because they would go on these trips and they would also go on shopping sprees. So Bernie was getting... (laughs) Tons of shit. He was getting all this shit bought for him. He he was just living high, right? And uh, Bernie, like I said earlier, he was only making $26,000 at the funeral home. So I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be passing this up. And Bernie sure as hell was not passing this up. Bernie was all she had because her son Rod didn't visit much. You know, he was like some kind of doctor or something in Midland. So he didn't visit much. And they were kind of, um, I think they didn't have the best of relationships because, you know, Marjorie was his mom. So like, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that he was kind of probably done with her
1: bullshit. He probably was put in a basement. It's fine. He
0: probably was. Like if she was locking up her nephew, like... uh, he, he probably didn't have the best childhood. Like, I'm just going to guess this. He does not say that. Um, he does not talk anything about that. Bless but,
1: his heart, as us Southern gals would say. So in
0: 1991, Marge wrote her only son out of her will, and she made Bernie the sole beneficiary of her $10 million estate. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. According to Marge's cousin, she said that uh, Marjorie did not want any of her family to get any of her money because they didn't, quote-unquote, appreciate her. Mm. Which, from what we know about Marjorie, like, I believe that. Like, I believe that that's definitely what she said. Mm -hmm. They don't appreciate me because she thought of herself very highly. And so if they aren't going out of their way to visit her and bend over backwards to serve her wants and needs, then she's like, fuck it, you don't get my $10 million. I'm going to give it to this Bernie guy that I've known for an all of one year at this point.
1: I was gonna say it was only like a year or two that they knew each other. At this point it was only a
0: year because it was nineteen ninety one and it was in nineteen ninety that, that Rod Rod died. Yeah. Yeah. So it was huh. a year, maybe slightly over, maybe even slightly under. But that it, developed quickly. I know. Like that's almost faster than an evangelical courtship. Damn! <laughs> Call me out. Call right? me out. Hey, hey! I met my husband, and then <laughs> we got married. From the day we met to the day we got married was just over four months.
1: Oh, you're worse than me. It was it was six months with me and my ex. Everyone
0: likes to be like, "Where well, yours yours worked out?" And I'm like, "Okay, I am I am the exception." to this whole scenario, okay? (sighs) Like, this is not the norm. The norm is divorce within a few years, okay? Don't don't do what I did, okay? Date around. Anyway, moving on with the case. So, not only did her son and her not have a good relationship, she didn't have a good relationship with her son's three kids, so her grandchildren. These are her only grandchildren, mind you. They're three girls. They had actually sued their grandma Because apparently, when the grandpa died, there was some like trust money set aside for the three kids and she was not getting it or giving it to them. And so because she wasn't doing that, they just sued their grandma. And yeah, so there was just a lot of tension and a lot of, I think, Marjorie hoarding her money and... More money, no problems. Exactly. Agreed, agreed. Well, then in 1993, so just a couple years later, this is only three years after Marge and Bernie met, she convinced Bernie to quit his job at the funeral home and become her full-time, quote, business manager. Now, Bernie, of course, said yes, because this was coming with a substantial pay raise. Remember, $26,000 is all he was making, which is decent back then, but still, like, who's gonna say no? And he was not about to pass up not only the big pay raise, but also the fancy meals, the traveling, the shopping sprees, all the things the that come perks, along with it. The, the benefits the perks.
1: that come with the job. Like the benefit package
0: was overwhelming
1: with this position.
0: <laughs> and when Bernie, of course, said yes, and she gave him full access to her checking accounts so that he could be the one to pay all of her bills. And he says that Marge told him to spend some of the money on himself. And she apparently, uh, allegedly gave Bernie... I couldn't like completely confirm this, but I'm pretty sure this is true. She gave Bernie a $100,000 advance and he went out and he bought uh, himself a two-bedroom, one-bath house where he decorated the front lawn with his collection of penguins in tuxedos because he thought it was... So cute. And he even was a collector of watches. He had 40 different watches and he set them up in his house um, to display. And one of them was a $7,000 Rolex that he got from Marjorie
1: herself. Like there's a lot of of
0: money spent on this man. I don't
1: know why I just thought of this, but I wonder if they were all the watches that he had, if they were all set to the right time. I don't know. That doesn't
0: matter. <laughs> I don't it know why it does not I've... matter. But knowing Bernie, it probably, probably, like, probably. Okay. Also, with this hundred thousand dollars, Bernie earned his pilot's license
1: and he bought himself four planes. Of four? I'm a sorry. Four. Where are you gonna park them? Four? Does she have an, a a strip? Does a, <laughs> a
0: hang, hangers? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. He bought. He bought himself four planes. Okay. And that's. Just, just wait, just wait, okay. Well, since Marge was wealthy, she had a stockbroker, stockbroker, stockbroker. I can't talk, I swear. It's fine. That's the same. His thing. name, right? Same thing. Okay, his name was Lloyd. And he helped her with all her investments. Well, eventually, Bernie started to call Lloyd and tell him his opinion on what she needed to invest her money in. And Lloyd was not appreciative of this, so much so that he even said to Bernie one time, what do you know about the stock market? You're nothing than an undertaker. Oh. And he he hung up on Bernie But this pissed Marge off. And she was like, how dare you talk to Bernie like that? And so Marge called Lloyd back and was like, how dare you? Don't you ever talk to Bernie like that way again. And if you do, I'm going to take my
1: money and find myself another stockbroker.
0: Damn! Lloyd was going to be out a lot of money. And so Lloyd was like, I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) Hey, she's loyal. I'll give her that.
0: Right? She was, okay? Bernie even got Marge back in church. And she even hosted a woman's Bible study in her home. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. He, he, he got the church okay, thing going I on. Okay, I see you. I yeah, see you. He was, he was
1: religious, and he, he got her back He was rubbing there. off on her. He was trying to get her to do some good things. Jesus. He's, he's, let's, let's do some Jesus, okay? Yeah. yeah. Meet <laughs> with the lady, ladies Bible class. So sweet. Not sure that it worked,
0: because uh, unfortunately, as time went on, March started to become more and more possessive of Bernie and his time. She gave him a pager and expected him to be at her beck and call whenever she needed him. I mean, he's and an employee, three. so
1: he signed up for this. Right.
0: He, he he knew what he was signing up for. Like, he knew what he was signing up for because he knew her reputation before he even, like, befriended her.
1: And he was friends with her before he accepted this job offer kind of thing, too. So, like, he knew exactly. the good, the bad, the ugly. He'd, he'd been on trips. He'd stayed overnight. He knew. He, he
0: walked into it. And he, I think he let the, the flashy stuff, all the purchases and all that, he let that be what motivated his decisions. He overlooked everything else, right? Yeah. Also, every morning he was supposed to be at her house at 7 a.m. to make her her coffee. They had lunch together. Uh, Bernie said that many times when he was with other people, he would have to interrupt their time to call Marge or she would, quote, give him living hell, is what he said. At trial, Bernie said, I picked out her clothes. I helped her with her laundry. I, on occasion, trimmed her toenails, helped her pull out the long hairs that grew in her chin. (laughs) Oh. Oh. (laughs) And combed her hair in the morning. Which I have to say, like, okay, that's not necessarily the job description for a business manager, but she's also an old lady. So, like, there's probably more that comes along with business manager when it's an old lady than...
1: Well and to if it if it's your friend, you know yeah. you kind of go the extra mile, I mean, yeah, and she expected him
0: to go the extra mile because she's footing all the bills for all this stuff
1: I mean the benefits package it's expensive, right. therefore right. It's, you must it is you must uh pay your dues and with each passing day, it was as if Marge
0: became more and more mean spirited towards Bernie. He wanted to leave, but of course the money was too good, like we've said. And he liked, he liked those finer things in life.
1: (laughs) And that was keeping him there. You get accustomed to it.
0: You do. And he did. Like this has been years at this point, five years, six years. He also said that he was scared to leave because he had seen, quote, firsthand, how vindictive Marge could be when someone crossed her. So for example, this is how I swear vindictive this lady is. Marge loved her garden and she loved her flowers and she took pride in them. But one year, in her opinion, the flowers didn't bloom quick enough or as soon as she thought that they should bloom. So she fired her gardener. Why? What? Full-on fired her gardener because the flowers didn't bloom in time. What? I'm sorry. Spring was a little late that year, Marge. It's not the gardener's fault. Damn, Jackie. I can't control the weather. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) also okay there were armadillos eating her flowers Wait, she loves her flowers and so uh she had bernie buy her a 22 rifle to kill them
1: stop Mm -hmm. to kill the
0: armadillos in order to save her garden (laughs) we weren't gonna talk about animals god that's as as far as we're going with animals okay good Just don't think of armadillos. armadillos.
1: maybe their armor (laughs) saved them. I'm going to think that's that's what happened. The armor saved them. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm.
0: I will say that Bernie didn't really shoot anything in his life. And so I'm going to assume that he... I'm sure he missed. Yeah, that's what we're going to tell ourselves. Thank God. He missed the armadillos and they got a good dinner of flowers. Perfect. (laughs) Right. So, Minnie again asked him why he didn't just leave because she was becoming so mean and so vindictive and so just abusive. but Bernie said that he thinks around this time is when he started to assume that Marjorie started to develop dementia and if you've ever like dealt with anybody with Alzheimer's or dementia like as it progresses they they get pretty mean like my my uh grandma in law I guess she's what you'd you'd call her. There were some like really funny stories like in the last days of her life because she had... um I think she had dementia or was it Alzheimer's? One of the two. But she she had some very mean-spirited moments, but that's very common with dementia and you just learn to kind of like laugh it off. But if this was undiagnosed, like I could tell... I could see where Bernie was just like frustrated but didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want... Her to be alone and he knew that she wasn't close to her entire family. They had all like be were estranged from her. So he, he knew that's all she had, pretty much. Yeah. And he didn't he didn't want to be the one to leave her and leave her alone. And he's like, I'd feel really guilty. Mm-hmm. So he just stayed. But as every day went on, this was becoming way too much for Bernie to handle. And on the morning of November 9th, 1996, just six years after he met Marjorie Nugent, Bernie snapped, okay? That day he woke up and he went to Marjorie's house at 7 a.m. to make her breakfast. Before leaving to go home because he wanted to go take a shower, he noticed the 22 rifle and he decided to take it and put it in the bathroom near the garage. Then at 10 a.m., he came back after taking his shower and getting ready. He came back to the house and was going to take Marge to Longview to go to the dry cleaners. I think he needed to go to the dry cleaners himself. And so he had actually called and said, do you want to come with me? We can eat at this specific restaurant. And so Marge was like, yeah, I'll go along. So he came by to pick her up. Well, when they entered the garage, she was ahead of Bernie. She leaned down when she got towards the car to pet her dog, Bo. When Bernie decided to take the rifle from the bathroom, and he shot Marge in the back. Now, the first shot made her fall to the ground, but she was still breathing. The examiner says that first shot paralyzed her from what I have been able to understand. Don't hold me to that, but the first shot paralyzed her, but she was still alive, right? Bernie then walked towards her, shot her again, and then he put the gun directly on her back and shot her two more times until Marge was dead. He snapped. Now he says that she, like, he, she says, she must have been berating me that morning is what he says. He says a lot of it, he doesn't remember that it's just kind of like what he's been able to piece together. And we'll, we'll come back to that because we'll I have some opinions. Okay. Well, he then dragged March's body down the hallway towards what she called her utility room. He opened up the deep freezer, Mm-mm. removed, mm-hmm, removed some food wrapped her body in a Lanzan sheet, placed her in the freezer, and then he put the food back on top, hiding the body. Bernie returned to the garage and cleaned up the blood, but then he went on with his day as if everything was fucking normal. Oh, he went Bernie. To a rehearsal, uh-huh, and then he went to a pizza hut and bought food for the whole cast that was at this rehearsal with him. Everybody who saw Bernie that day and interacted with him the following days and even weeks after this happened. Weeks? Oh, just wait. Perfectly normal. No different. Like, nobody was different. And, and Bernie tries to say, like, I can't lie. I don't know how I pulled all this off. But people said that he could have won like a, a what was it, Academy Award for the mm-hmm. performance he put on from the time Marjorie was shot and killed into the time she was found in the freezer. Okay. Did he
1: have a psychotic break? Did he not remember what he did?
0: We, I, I don't want to jump the gun, but we will, we will talk about that. Okay. So Bernie had to keep up with Marjorie's affairs. You know, like she's dead and he doesn't want to get caught. So he has to keep up with all her affairs. So he's paying her bills. He's running all her house operations, like paying the gardener and making sure the lawn gets mowed and all the stuff gets taken care of so that it looks as if Life is as normal. Marjorie is still there, and and everything's normal. Mm-hmm. And when people would ask about Marge or call or anything like that, he would say that she was napping, or oh, you just missed her; <laughs> she just walked out. Or oh. then he'd be like, "I give her; I'll give her the message. I'll make sure she calls you back." But time started to go on and on, and that excuse was only going to get him so far. So then he had to start making bigger excuses that would account for this big lapse of time. And so then he started saying that she was visiting her sister in Ohio. And then he started saying she had a stroke and now she can't speak and she's in the hospital. He went far with this. Bernie even, during this time, started to spend her money. And and, and not just a little bit. He's got been, he's been a, a lot of her money. How much?
1: What did he buy? Do you know what he bought? <laughs> Do you have... Right, the itemized yeah. receipt. <laughs> I have I have an overview. Okay. I'm not
0: itemized, but, but an overview. His four planes weren't enough, so he bought more. Planes? Planes. He bought more, more planes. planes. More planes. He bought more planes. I don't know how many he bought, but he bought more planes because four was not enough. How many can you drive at once? What's wrong with you? No idea. Um, he invested in the local Western Wear. I think it was called the Boot Scootin' Western Wear store. Western Wear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Remember we're in we're in small town, Texas. So That's so good. There's that. Uh he gave like I think it was like a hundred thousand dollars to the church for the building fund. Uh he bought like ten cars for different people and gave oh. them to them. There was like a trophy shop in town that was failing because it's a small town. Like
1: who all like he's like Robin he Hood, six thousand yeah, but like pretty much. A, worse. <laughs> it's Robin Hood, but like rated R. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Very much so. So yeah, the trophy shop was failing. And because, remember, 6,000 people. So how many people need trophies every day? I don't. So he bought the trophy shop so that it could still operate. Mm. And so that the local people could still get their trophies, like the local schools or organizations or or whatever. So uh, as time goes on, Marjorie is still dead, frozen in her freezer. And Bernie is acting as if everything is perfectly normal and he is continuing on with her affairs, paying her bills and giving excuse after excuse to anybody and everybody that would ask. And he's spending her money. It is estimated that in the nine months before he was arrested, Yes, nine months. It took nine months for them to find full Marjorie pregnancy dead. Mm. It, right? Oh my God! When you put it into that perspective, <gasps> as somebody who has had three kids, holy shit, that's a long time.
1: I mean, and as someone oh, that's my a God, Christian, think about
0: it like that. Wouldn't
1: it eventually bother you? He
0: said it did. He said it. He said it got to him. But I, I, I don't see how it could get to you. And you still be able
1: to just and you don't you don't confess, you don't turn yourself in, you don't tell you do or some
0: or somebody's like something's off here,
1: you know, like yeah, nobody, nobody, ah well, well, too, no one really liked her anyway, so they were probably happy to not see her around or talk to her or you know
0: right, and that that might have made it easier, but he had Bernie had convinced himself that like spending marge's money was what she would want him to do. Mm. Because remember, she said, not a thin dime is what she would say. I don't want my family to get no thin dime of mine. (laughs) And so she would tell Bernie, like, spend my money. Like, go spend it on whatever because she knew she was old. She knew she didn't have much time left. So it's not like she could spend $10 million real fast, but shit, Bernie could for sure. Well, but as time went on, no one was seeing Marge. Uh, So Bernie's giving these excuses, but her stockbroker, Lloyd, he started to become suspicious because when Christmas came and passed and he sent his Christmas turkey to her, he didn't get a thank you card. And that wasn't like March. March sent out thank you cards. She was old school, okay? And then she was expected to be in office to sign some like important investment documents, but then she didn't show up. And so after that, Lloyd was like, something's wrong. Like, I, I haven't even gotten a call from her. So he called... Um, the local sheriff's department and let them know that he was concerned and what was going on. But what he didn't know is that the sheriff's department had actually already gotten an anonymous tip from somebody telling them to look for March. Now, we still, to this day, I'm pretty sure don't know where that anonymous call came from. If
1: you're the relative of the person or if you're the person that did the anonymous tip, email us.
0: (laughs) I know, right? I would like to know who it was because then the sheriff had to be the one to contact Rod Jr., Marge's hmm. son, and let him know what was going on. He oh. wasn't even looking for his mama. His mama gone for nine months. Like, yes, they were estranged, but like, that's, wow. Like, well, I, you know, I actually, I, I take back my judgment on that because they were estranged and Marjorie was a bitch. So like, I can kind hmm. of understand them not looking for her. Well, uh, so on August 19th, 1997, Rod Jr., one of his daughters, Jennifer, and then several county deputies went to Marge's house to look uh, for evidence of where she might be or look for her herself. Like they were looking for like a receipt of like a hospital bill or maybe like a plane ticket or something to kind of explain where she might be. Well, they searched through the house and unfortunately, it was Jennifer, her niece, who found her dead underneath the chicken pot pies. Yes, the Marie Calendar chicken pot pies stuffed in the freezer.
1: What made her look in the freezer? That's my I, question. They were looking everywhere.
0: I think that they were already probably suspicious that something sinister had happened because remember in 1991, she changed her will and yeah. gave this strange man that she'd only known for a year her entire, you know, make hidden the sole beneficiary of her $10 million estate. So I think they were probably assuming that Bernie did something, you know? Mm. So they looked around for her and eventually found her in the freezer. Well, in order to preserve the evidence, they were very Texas and they took the entire freezer, Marge frozen in it, food, everything, stuck it on the back of a truck, hooked it up to a generator and drove it all the way to the coroner's office in Dallas with Marge still inside of it, completely frozen on the back of a truck. Oh my god. Driving down the highway.
1: That's Texas. No. <laughs> right? Right.
0: Literally. Like <laughs> I I can vouch. That's that's Texas for you, right? Of course, the first person they want to interrogate is Bernie Tita. He's she, he's the only one that's friends or, you know, an associate really of March, so they start looking for him and they ended up finding him with a little league team and their parents and he was getting ready to take them all out to dinner and Stop. pay for their dinner.
1: Right? He's doing good services with the money, but he's just, boy, have you lost your mind? The whole I thing? Know. <sighs> you feel
0: You feel so conflicted, like, in so many different ways. Oh, well, they bring him in for questioning, and Bernie broke. He confessed immediately. It was like, he walked in the door, and they were like, so we found Marge. I did it. I shot <gasps> her. Like, he just... He just confessed right away. Did he cry? Cried.
1: Was he like... Oh, yeah. Crying. He he said he felt guilty. Remorseful. Okay, yeah.
0: Yeah. He was remorseful. You know, it, from what we can tell, he was crying. So, uh, you know, it looks like he was remorseful. Mm. And he said, yeah, yeah, he killed her. He killed her nine months prior, and he tells the whole story. So, Bernie was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Now, this is a small town. Again, so, the news of Bernie's arrest... Spread like wildfire. And instead of everyone being heartbroken over the death of a little old lady, they were all actually more upset that Bernie was arrested and they were sad for Bernie. That Sunday, after he was arrested, the Methodist preacher gave a sermon titled, When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And in this sermon, he said that he, uh, or he spoke about how Bernie needs their prayers and he needs to know that we are with him. Nothing was said about Poor Marjorie. The victim. She was murdered and shot four times in the back. Rest in peace, dear Marge.
1: Nothing. It
0: was all poor Bernie.
1: Why does that track for me?
0: <laughs> Why right? does that track? Oh, let me let me throw another loop in here for you, okay? Because you're gonna get even more, okay? While they searched Bernie's home, they confiscated over fifty. I'm laughing. Like Bailey Syrian says, I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Okay, they confiscated over 50 videos of gay porn. And apparently these videos were filmed either by Bernie himself or he had like paid somebody to film them. And allegedly, some of the men in these videos were prominent men in the town. Stop. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Were they part of the church though? (laughs) I don't know. They didn't, like, no more came out about that. But like
1: Marjorie's money was paying. For To produce gay porn. <laughs> Marjorie is the producer for the main porn creation in that town.
0: She's like the, what do they call it? The silent, the silent
1: investor. <laughs> the startup for our gay porn industry is a dead woman.
0: Now, we're in Texas, remember? You know, like, there is like homophobia to the extreme, especially mm-hmm. during this time in Texas. And even after this all came out, the townspeople still stood by Bernie. He was constantly getting visitors who brought him food and reminded him he had their support. Many wondered why he didn't get rid of Marge's body, which this was a valid question. Like, dude, why did why did you keep her in the freezer?
1: Why didn't he move it ever? I mean, for months, normally you end up moving it or trying to destroy it, I think.
0: Yeah, one townsperson even said, quote, I don't know why he didn't put her in one of those planes and fly her over the Gulf of Mexico and kick her out.
1: <laughs> you know what? That's valid, though. It's I mean, valid. But like, why are you saying that as a town person?
0: Like, he's the murderer. Okay, he's not the victim.
1: Oh man, I when you said I'd be conflicted, I really thought I would still be able to choose a side. Right.
0: Right. <sighs> I just
1: think like being in such an emotionally torturous relationship Mm -hmm. and the love is there, but also the like frustration and the hurt. And I understand like the whole people snap. I mean, you get to a point, you snap. That doesn't mean what you did was right or justified. right? But like, I understand how you could get to that point. It's just after that doesn't make sense.
0: No. And there's, I, there's so many that I'm like, okay, that was questionable. Like, there's a lot of this, like, that's like Bernie. But he said that the reason he didn't move her body or get rid of it was that he's like, I couldn't abandon her. Mm -hmm. Um, and that he valued his job and passion like as a funeral director that he wanted her to have a proper funeral. So he knew that he was going to get caught one day and so he was just spending the money to spend the money and just biding his time until he got caught and until Marjorie could have a proper funeral. Because if you think about it, like if you really wanted to kill her and if this was like premeditated and not like he just snapped, like he could have like snuffed her out with a pillow or like poisoned her and she's so old they wouldn't have like looked into it. And he could have just inherited the 10 million and like life would have been life if it was like really that premeditated. Now, you could argue that there was some premeditation because he does say that he took the gun and he put it in the bathroom by the garage. So like, was he doing that specifically to have it as easier access?
1: Was that just to get it out of the way? Was that to put it in the way kind of thing? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and you could go either way. He doesn't like really go into that, but I see that as like, ooh, that's kind of damning in my opinion. It's a little, ooh, Bernie. Okay, the now the district attorney for this case uh, he that was prosecuting it was no, in the he, porn
1: vil- video. Nope, sorry. No, we don't.
0: We don't know. Which I like. My curious <laughs> ass is like, dude. I want a list. Like I, I need to see the video. Like, I'm
1: nosy. That's my. <laughs> that's my issue. I need to see the video. You're
0: like I need to. Honestly, with these like old Texas men, I'm gonna pass. And I would rather see like nicer quality modern Probably. day porn. Yeah,
1: like that. Like that's where. Yeah. I'm not saying it'd be pretty. I wouldn't want to watch it for the enjoyment. <laughs> I just, I gotta know. I would watch what it w- as
0: an investigative I gotta know.
1: reporter. <laughs> were you the receiver? I must know. <laughs>
0: mm. Well, the district attorney, we're going to skate on past the gay porn. Mm-hmm. The district attorney was a, uh, attorney, was a man named Danny Buck. Yes, that's his real name. Okay. That's cute. So he, I thought it was a cute name too. He was approached time and time again by townspeople showing their support for Bernie, okay? One day while he was eating at the local Daddy Sam's Barbecue and Catfish, yes, that was the name of the place, where a sign that says, you kill it, I'll cook it, is hung. <laughs> oh, don't do that to Marjorie. Oh, don't <laughs> yeah. do that to Marjorie. Yeah. Oh, gosh. No, no, Margie, Marjorie definitely does not get eaten, okay? So while he's eating there at this restaurant, he is starting to realize that he might not have such an open and shut case with this as he expected. A, a waitress approaches him and said, Bernie's a sweet man, Danny Buck. He's done a lot of good things for this town. He's given poor kids money to go to college and everything. Someone else chimes in and says, you got to admit nobody could sing Amazing Grace like Bernie could. <laughs> Danny.
1: <laughs> it Danny all Buck, circles back to the voice. <laughs>
0: Then reminds everyone that Bernie confessed to a Texas Ranger that he shot Miss Nugent four times in the back and then stuffed her in her own deep freezer. Like, there's a confession here, guys. Like, we're not trying to piece evidence together. Like, we were given it on a silver platter. But then, even after Danny can reminds everyone they have a confession, another man chimes in and says, it's just hard for me to believe that old Bernie could fire a gun straight. He acts well, you know, effeminate. <laughs> effeminate.
1: <laughs> so since he's <laughs> since he
0: acts gay, he can't shoot a gun, is what he's getting at. Well, he's probably like, also, a
1: short range, so probably right. Def- he's not that far from her. I
0: mean, it's also a twenty-two. I don't know if you've
1: ever shot a twenty-two gun uh, caliber gun. It's easier to shoot a twenty-two and hit your target.
0: Yeah, twenty twos are easy. There's I like mean, basically no kickback or anything. Like it's. Mm. It's one of the easiest guns to shoot. So, like, come on. He could, he could he had shoot the that even if he had no experience. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, another time when Danny Buck was at a convenience store, a woman told him, I don't care if Miss Nugent was the richest lady in town. She was so mean that if Bernie did kill her, you won't find anyone in town who's going to convict him for murder. Ooh.
1: <laughs> so They're making this, valid points.
0: They They are. And so this is when Danny Buck realizes, okay, We are not going to get a fair trial if we have the case held here in this county. Like, everyone's going to be like, let him off. Save Bernie. So, so, right. The prosecution had to request that the trial be held in a different county, which is like unheard of for the prosecution to be one seeking this. Usually, it's the defense. Yeah, because they're like, this is too like high profile.
1: Everybody thinks badly. Yeah. Everyone thinks you're, you know, you're a
0: horrible person or whatever. And so they have to be the ones to ask for a new county. No, 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 no. It's the prosecution this time. Great. It was granted. And they did help. They hold the, held the trial uh, in a neighboring county. Now the trial took a while to get started. and It held, It was began in 1999. Now, remember, she was estranged from her son and his three kids at the time of her murder. But yet, at the trial, they got on the stand and talked about how lovely, sweet, and kind their grandma was. Reminder, these are the same kids who sued her over the trust that their grandpa's estate and all that. The prosecution
1: trained
0: them? Right, Like, (laughs) There's no way. The jury only took 90 minutes to deliberate before they found him guilty for murder in the first degree, and he was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Bernie has done interviews where he says he regrets what he did and that at night, Marge actually comes and visits him in his sleep and he will have to live with that for the rest of his life. Yeah. Ah. I don't... I Yeah. Well, you know, it's consequences of your actions, Bernie. Like, I'm sorry, you did... If you snapped, you snapped, but like, you did kill someone, so... Oh, Marge. Marge is not the person I would want visiting me in my sleep.
1: I bet she's nagging. I bet she's nagging him the whole time. Naggedy Ann. What'd you spend my money on? <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Yeah. Well, Bernie's trying to make the best of it. And then Jill, he spent his time uh, teaching, doing church-related activities, making crafts, and he even got his paralegal license. Earlier, I talked about the movie. So in 2011, they did make this into a movie called Bernie. And Bernie is played by the lovable, the one and only Jack Black. Stop. <laughs> and I, I tell you, he plays Bernie... So good. I, uh, it's good. You have to watch it. It's like a very dark comedy. I have on to. On this show, and it's kind of done in like a documentary type way. And it's, it's good. Shirley McLean plays Marge and Matthew McConaughey plays Danny Buck, the DA. Uh, this movie brought so much attention to Bernie's case. And so it actually, in 2014, Bernie's lawyers brought forth the evidence that he was sexually abused by his uncle as a kid it stated that at 12 uh it started at 12 and continued for years out of shame and guilt he kept this to himself like many uh, victims of sexual assault do and he didn't tell anyone after another one of his uncles victims came to bernie he encouraged bernie to like tell his story and come forth with what happened to bernie yeah so psychiatrists said that the abuse from Marge could have triggered memories of his childhood abuse and it could have pushed him into having like a dissociative episode that day. And based off of this evidence, Danny Buck actually agreed to give Bernie a lighter sentence. Stop. And so that was, Yeah. But in order to do that, like he doesn't get to choose. He's just the DA. So what they have to do is they have, it has to be approved and then it has to go to a retrial, basically.
1: Mm -hmm. So,
0: or it's like a resentencing trial. So in 2014, a judge ordered that Bernie be released from jail on a $10,000 bond. And he had a bunch of like conditions he had to follow. And Bernie was set for a resentencing trial. And uh, he, along with Danny Buck, we're hoping that the outcome of this resentencing trial would be time served, and that he would be able to be set free. Like even Danny Buck himself was like, "All right, you've he's at this point, I think it was like 17 years in prison. He started to root for him. He did. He he switched sides, and he started to root for him. So meanwhile, he started um, a new life outside of jail, and while he waited for this resentencing trial, he joined the gay man's choir which I thought that was so cute. The Game Man's Choir. Yeah. (laughs) And he joined a church in Austin, Texas, where, of course, everybody loved Bernie. He was a great guy. Well, on the other hand, Marge's grandkids weren't happy. Uh, They believed that the movie and his release on Bond was just part of Bernie's big con, and they were not happy with any of it. Some of them didn't even believe that Bernie... Had been sexually assaulted, which I was like, okay, low blow mm. there. Like, you can believe he's a con artist, but like, we have to believe victims. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't like that. That wrecked me the wrong Like, I know they're hurt, but at the same time, like.
1: Side note, Bernie is adorable. Even looking at his he? mugshot, why is he adorable? And he's like
0: little chubby cheeks. Everyone go look at the picture of Bernie Tita. He's also, so you can watch funny. that.
1: Um, movie for free on YouTube, Peacock, Pluto, and Tubi. Nice. Okay, so I said
0: Paramount Plus in that, so I was wrong at that one. But I was right about Peacock and YouTube. Yeah. It's so good. Go watch it. Okay, so they did not like this. And they didn't believe that he was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. Well, at the resentencing trial, many testified about how Marge didn't want her family to get any of her money and that she would spend it how she wanted. She even spoke in favor of how Bernie was spending her money. Um, And the defense even brought up the fact that her family wasn't looking for her. It was an anonymous tip and Lloyd, the stockbroker, who alerted the police of Marge's whereabouts not being known. And then the police had to be the ones to reach out to Rod Jr. Mm-hmm. So if it was this like Sunshine and Rainbows type family and they loved her so dearly, why weren't they more involved? You know, why didn't they visit more often? Like Rod Jr. by her death, like he hadn't seen his mom in years.
1: Why was it so, almost a full year that she was dead that like Yeah, you didn't you didn't know at all, you know? Yeah.
0: Which in my opinion is like That's fine. Like, you were estranged. She was a bitch. Like, I get why you were estranged. But you can't come back and be like, it was all great and she was a lovely person. Exactly. Did she deserve to die because she was mean? Absolutely not. Like, nobody deserves to die. She didn't deserve this. But, like, you can't hide the fact that, like, she was who she was. Like, this is reality. Now, yes, he still killed her. And yes, he should still be held accountable to that. But, like... You gotta hold the two truths. Yes. Oh, I see that all the time.
1: Well... Is he alive? Is Bernie alive? Bernie is still alive. Yes, yes. Bernie, Bernie is still alive and kicking. Okay? We need to invite him on now.
0: <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> I could play devil's advocate, right? So, if they weren't on speaking terms, they could have been trying to get a hold of her. But since she had wrote them out of her will and they were estranged, they could have tried getting a hold of her and they just... She wouldn't answer the phone.
1: Assumed she's not answering because... yeah. Because they said
0: they did look for her, or they were trying to get a hold of her, uh-huh. they claimed that. So I will play devil's advocate for that moment. Like they could have, but on April twenty second, two thousand and sixteen, after four hours of deliberation, the resentencing jury sentenced Bernie to ninety nine years to life in prison. He basically got the same sentence. Yeah. Like, He got nothing less. The Texas court, or they did try to appeal it, but the Texas Court of Appeals upheld the conviction and sentencing in August of 2017. Bernie resides in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in Kennedy, Texas, and he isn't eligible for parole till August 3rd, 2029, which August 3rd is my birthday. So that's I'm weird. Be-
1: that's I know, right? weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's suspicious. Now, this is where I have a hard time with this case because should he be held accountable? Absolutely. Like, you killed somebody. It's like, even if you snapped, even if it was a dissociative episode, which I have a hard time believing, but I'm also not a psychiatrist, so I'm not going to, like, say that that's not out of the realm of possibility because psychiatrists have said it is. But I feel like life in prison for what he did is kind of a harsh sentence. Because mm-hmm. isn't our our justice system for rehabilitation, right? Supposed to be, supposed to be, yeah, <laughs> supposed to be. And with having all of these character witnesses and all of these people, and even the DA themselves, Danny Buck, standing behind him, I could see. I don't know if seventeen years is enough. Like they were wanting him to get time served. I think it's like, in my opinion, maybe closer to thirty. You did take somebody's life, you know. And I yes. feel like I've I've heard that in a lot of the true crime cases that I've listened to. And that's a common sentencing time. If it's not like torturous, like diabolical and premeditated and all of this stuff, like 30 years seems to be enough. So I think I am of the opinion that I, I hope Bernie does get out in 2029.
1: This is idealistic of me. But part of me is, is like, Serve some time in prison and then uh, transition out into a mental health facility and be studied. Because this episode, this like psychotic break where like you were able to put it aside for nine months and like you don't really remember a lot of what happened the day of the shooting and everything, like if you hold those things to be true. That should be studied. Yeah. You know?
0: And and I do know that when he was let out, because he it was almost two years. Like maybe it was like fourteen months, eighteen months, something like that, between mm-hmm. him getting out in twenty fourteen and then getting resentenced in twenty sixteen. I think one of his conditions was that he did like some kind of therapy, yeah, uh, psychiatric stuff for sexual abuse victims. And so I, I I think there was something of that. But what
1: was your trigger? We need to know so you don't kill again. Yeah, and I and I think that's probably not just
0: for him, but for everybody um, that comes out of the out of prison, like trying to get back into life. That there's not like mental health options for them for a lot of
1: them. There's not as many as there should be for sure. Yeah, I mean, not easily accessible based on you know money. Firstly,
0: yeah. Do you think that after the 30 years when he gets out, like if if he was to get out, do you think that, like, are you saying be studied or like transition to a mental health institution and then you spend your life in the mental health, mental health institution?
1: I think that would just de- depend on the data collected from the mental health facility.
0: Yeah, I can see
1: that. Because, I mean, if this was a one-time occurrence and they identify what the trigger was, and are, like, pretty confident in it, maybe yeah. it would be fine. I mean, human yeah. error is gonna happen, too.
0: I didn't say this in the case, and I, I don't know why I didn't put it in the notes, but um, I, I'm remembering that in the first trial, like, they had found that there was, like, some kind of account that Marjorie had that had a couple million dollars in it or something along those lines, and Bernie was, part like, on that account, and... She thought there was a whole bunch of money in there, but there it, he had drained it down to basically nothing. When she was alive? And when she was alive. And then shortly, bef- shortly, like a few days after her death, she was supposed to have like had some kind of meeting with the bank and look at some kind of documents or whatever. And she was going to find out that that account was empty. Now, it wasn't allowed to be put in the first trial but it was allowed to be put in the second trial. So that also adds a whole other layer to it then. It does, but the hard part for me with that is th- I feel like there's not enough information because no. it, on the surface it looks really bad but then when you like know the whole story of like she let him spend her money how she wanted. And then you had people testifying. She
1: gave him access.
0: Yeah. And you have people testifying that they heard her themselves say that she like approved of how Bernie was spending the money. It could be like, okay, are you grasping at straws here? And you were estranged from her. So like, how do you know that she knew? She
1: didn't have any friends. How, how do you know these conversations transpired? She wasn't close with family.
0: Yeah, and that that one's hard for me because it's like I don't feel like I know enough, or that that was explored enough for me to buy that as a like a premeditated motive for him to off Marjorie. It's
1: missing a lot of information, so yeah. I also don't think I can really speak to it. But like I will say, with his spending habits, he did buy himself things, yes, but he bought a lot of things for other people as like a good service kind of thing. Not to say that justifies using another person's money, especially without their consent. But like, it makes me think his heart was in the right place with a lot of things. A lot of his judgment was not always off. So like, that makes me feel like it was even more premeditated because his judgment is clear on what good, wholesome things are. And what evil is.
0: The part I have a really hard time with is that he... He didn't turn himself in. He waited nine months. I feel like the guilt would eat me alive. I know. It's not that he even waited nine months. He didn't wait. He waited till he got caught and it took nine months. But like that, like, whoa.
1: That's why you dissociated so hard and that you're able to maybe make yourself dissociate when you start feeling bad. Yeah. That's why I'm like, you should be studied. And I have a hard time because
0: he's like, I'm not good at lying. But then other people are like, he could have literally won an Academy Award. And so then it's like, okay, I start to believe or I start to see like where his, the granddaughters are like, he's he's a con artist, you know? Because it's like, mm-hmm. he literally did fool everybody. See, and look now I'm flipping. See, you guys, this is so hard. I don't know. Yeah. I, we'll don't, I don't know. will flip back
1: if we keep talking about it. We'll just keep flipping, flip flop. It's fine. I would
0: hate to be on a trial, like a jury. Like I would, I would hate it.
1: No one ever call me for jury duty. I swear to God, it better not be a criminal case. I will show up in the raunchiest fucking outfit
0: on, on selection day. So they'd be like, oh, okay, you can go home.
1: You're dismissed. Thank you. I would love <laughs> to serve on a jury. I just feel like I would have a very difficult time. Even if it was cut and dry case, I would look at that human and be like, you're about to go to a place that will not serve you, that you will not serve.
0: I think that I could do it and be very confident in my decision if it was a... If it was a child crime, yes. Yes. I was going to say if it was a child crime and if there was very strong evidence, whether that's even circumstantial evidence. If it was very strong, I could be confident in my decision if it was against a child.
1: You know what? If if it has to do with a child, don't put me in the courtroom with them. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I just want to like punch in the face. Something and- feral <laughs> would unearth <laughs> right? from me. I couldn't help it. I'm not even a mom. Wait till I am. I know, right? Like, just <laughs> Okay,
0: we are. This was a longer case than I expected it to it's be. It's fine. Uh, but we were talking a lot, and it's our first one. But we had fun. I enjoyed it, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. We didn't really get into a whole
1: bunch of the religious aspect of it, but it, you know, it's just like the church defended somebody, though
0: that <laughs> th- they did that. Which, okay, what what's new? The church
1: defended and upheld somebody that committed murder when one of yeah. the you know, Ten Commandments is, do not murder, do not do right. that.
0: Oh, I, you know, we could get into a lot of it, but it's like, you, yeah, you, a lot of you fucked up. And as a Christian, I don't know how he didn't turn himself in if, if religion is so big to him. Like, how did you fake, fake it for nine months? I don't, I don't. You know I what? Can't.
1: Christianity must have not served him well because let me say this, I'm not a Christian anymore.
0: And Same. the guilt,
1: even thinking about it, me not even doing it, Yeah, thinking about it, it makes me like feel secondhand guilt or like weird transference guilt of like, oh, she sat there in a fucking freezer. And even though she was a shit person, nobody deserves to be shot in the back when you're facing away from them four times and then shoved in a freezer under pot pies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then that gets into the whole like, if you're not a Christian, where do your morals come from kind of thing?
1: Hmm, that's funny. They come from my heart. <laughs> right, right. They come like, from my heart. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just nice. <laughs> morals are morals. Like, you just have them because you're a good person. We're inherently born with that. Isn't that nice? Uh, it's a exactly. built-in moral system. <laughs> and we get into
0: the whole religion doesn't give you, doesn't keep you from the being able to snap and commit a crime you know like it's not it's not a catch-all protection
1: even with all the bible knowledge you can preach you can teach you can pray you can sing you can help the elderly but at the end of the day it doesn't keep you from snapping
0: especially when you bring in abuse like emotional abuse or physical abuse and and he was definitely dealing with some emotional abuse so that's for dang sure <sighs>
1: Bernie, you had disadvantages from the start. I get that, you but did. I did too, man. <laughs> I know.
0: Like we we've all had some shitty things happen. So you did make your choice and you've made your bed and you are sleeping in it. And so,
1: you know what's more fun than killing people is just gardening and holding frogs. Yes. Oh my god, or chickens, baby chickens, baby uh, chicks. chickens. They're so cute. They're so freaking cute. My chickens are so happy. I gave them oranges today. Oh, you did? Yes, they're so happy. Aww. They my uh,
0: neighbors put a um cabbage head <gasps> in in a like plant hanger and then like hung the plant hanger from the top. And yeah. Dude, they devoured that cabbage head in like a matter of like 5 minutes. It was uh, it was hilarious, but I loved watching them.
1: You can put like a head of lettuce or cabbage or whatever, and like a, it looks almost like a hamster ball thing, but it's like, oh
0: um, yeah. And they'll
1: play yeah. with it. It's like a, yeah, interactive kind of toy for them, and, and they'll chase it around and eat from it and stuff. It's so cute. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, that's what I'm buying them. Meg, if you're listening to this, like, sorry, you already
1: know what you're getting for Christmas this year.
0: Okay. Shh. You didn't hear that. Okay.
1: I'm glad that we got <laughs> to end on a happy note. I know, right?
0: Okay, chicken. There we go. Palate cleanser. I think that's what Ash <laughs> calls them. Palate cleanser. We talked about chickens and Yay! holding frogs. <laughs> so, okay. That, yeah, that is the case of uh, Bernie Tita and the death of Marjorie Nugent. Thank uh, you for sharing week, the Thanks story. for listening.
1: I'm so excited. Lola's going to be sharing next week. So tune in. I hope I can do as good as Lacey. She's the pro. Oh, you will.
0: You will. And like everything, we will get better. Hang tight with us as we figure out all of this and get everything nailed down. But you'll do great. And she's going to take you for a wild ride. So buckle up. I know this case, but I actually haven't listened to it in like two years. So I'm not refreshing myself so she can refresh, (laughs) refresh me with you guys. So, all right. We will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Also, heathens, if you're enjoying the show so far, please remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on and leave us a review because your salvation depends on it. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, leave us a review because we would absolutely love it. Deadly Faith is brought to you by Choircast Network. It's produced by Lacey Bean and Willa Robbins and audio engineered by Eric Howe. Thanks for listening.